welcome to Hidbal's Eyes podcast, Bulldoze. We help students realize their career dreams. Thank you for tuning in and making your choice to succeed in your careers. Welcome to Hidbal's Eyes podcast, where we are trying to keep you ahead of competition by sharing current affairs, tips for various exams and interviews with eminent speakers. Make sure you follow the podcast and share this episode with your friends who are preparing for any competitive exam. I am Nitika and in today's episode, we are going to cover COP27. The tens of thousands descended on the Sharm el-Sheikh, Egypt for the world's biggest climate negotiation. The delegates from nearly two-third nations Dozens of world leaders and hundreds of the biggest companies and NGOs were there. With climate impacts worsening and the window to a 1.5 degree Celsius world rapidly closing, the stakes are higher than ever for the negotiations. Since the Paris Agreement in 2015, the media and the public have increasingly followed developments in these global climate meetings. However, to many, the nature of these climate conferences remains a mystery. Officially, the meetings in Egypt are called the 27th Conference of the Parties COP, to the United Nations Framework Convention on Climate Change. The parties in question are the 198 signatory states to that Framework Convention. The Framework Convention is an international treaty agreed at the Rio Earth Summit in 1992. The abiding force of that treaty is to stabilize the greenhouse gas concentrations in the atmosphere at a level that would prevent dangerous anthropogenic interference with the climate system. At the time of Rio Earth Summit, the policymakers around the world had become aware of the risks posed by the human-induced climate change. In 1988, in the United States, the eminent climate scientist James Hansen testified at the congressional hearings on the climate change that made headlines. It was in the same year the United Nations created the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, which is a global body of scientists tasked with evaluating the latest research on climate change. The IPCC issued its first assessment report in 1990, asserting that emissions resulting from human activities are substantially increasing the atmospheric concentrations of the greenhouse gases. In Rio Summit, a youth activist named Sivern Suzuki grabbed the world's attention with an impassioned plea on behalf of all generations to come. The 1987 Montreal Protocol's global cap on the use of ozone-depleting substances had reduced their production by 98%. Even a bilateral agreement between the US and Canada effectively combated acid rain by limiting the emission of sulfur dioxide. These successes helped to catalyze the desire for a unified commitment to combat climate change that became the UNFCCC that was signed in Rio. The Framework Convention of UNFCCC came into effect in 1994. 
The following year, deliberations took place in Berlin on how to implement the framework. At this, the first conference of the parties, COP1, an agreement was reached to meet annually to discuss the action on climate change and emission reductions. And over the next two years, an agreement was developed that would commit industrialized nations to reducing their emissions of the six most important greenhouse gases. And this agreement would become the Kyoto Protocol. The Kyoto Protocol marked the first time nations attempted to adhere to the tangible emissions commitments and laid an important foundation for the Climate Paris Agreement. But even Kyoto fell well short in its aim to limit the global emissions. Speaking of the COPs and their major outcomes in the past, it first started in 1997 with COP3 which held in Kyoto, Japan when they adopted the Kyoto Protocol which is a legally binded developed countries to reduce the emission targets. Then some of the next important COPs held were in 2001 and 2002 which held in Marrakesh, Morocco and in New Delhi, India in 2002 when the Delhi Declaration was signed. The Marrakesh Accords signed which set the stage for the ratification of Kyoto Protocol. In 2009, at COP15 held in Copenhagen, Denmark, the developed countries pledged up to $30 billion in fast start finance. Whereas in 2008, at COP14 held in Poland, an adaptation fund under the Kyoto Protocol was launched. In 2010, at the Cancun Mexico summit, the Cancun agreements were signed, assisting the developing nations in dealing with the carbon credits. It was at this meeting that the Green Climate Fund was also started. The most landmark amendment made in 2012 at COP18 held in Doha, Qatar, when the Doha Amendment to Kyoto Protocol reducing the greenhouse gas emissions by 18% compared to 1990 levels were finally passed. The COPs of 2013, 2015 and 2018 held in Warsaw, Poland, Paris, France and Katowice, Poland were again important. In 2015, at the COP21 held in Paris, France, the Paris Agreement came into the effect with setting the global temperature well below 2 degrees Celsius above the pre-industrial times. It was in this agreement that the rich countries pledged to fund $100 billion yearly as a climate finance. At the 2018 COP24, the rule book for Paris Agreement or you can say that actions to be taken as per the nationally determined contributions were assigned individually. India has passed the landmark statement in 2021 at the COP26 held in Glasgow, UK when India announced the net zero targets to be achieved by 2070. India called for phase down of coal-based power and also the Glasgow Breakthrough Agenda were signed by 41 plus countries. So now let us find out the major outcomes of the COP27 held in Egypt. 
Firstly, the UNCCC, which is COP27, signed an agreement to provide loss and damage funding to vulnerable countries. The loss and damage refers to impacts of climate change that cannot be avoided either by mitigation or adaptation. It includes not only the economic damage to the property but also the loss to livelihoods and the destruction of biodiversity and sites that have cultural importance. So, ultimately this broadens the scope for affected nations to claim the compensation. Since the UNFCCC was formed in the 1990s, the loss and damage due to climate change have been debated. The least developed countries have long aimed to establish the accountability and compensation for loss and destruction. However, we all know that historically, we have rich nations to be blamed for. For this, the Warsaw International Mechanism on Loss and Damages was founded in 2013 without funding after extensive pressure from developing countries. However, in COP26 held in Glasgow, a three-year task force was established to consider a funding arrangement for loss and damage in 2021. So far, Canada, Denmark, Germany, New Zealand, Scotland and Belgium province of Wallonia have all expressed interest in loss and damage funding. However, there are few concerns regarding the establishment of this fund. As far as the future COP negotiations are concerned, it only commits to creating a fund and leaves it up to no discussion how it will be set and most importantly, who is going to contribute to it. During the recent negotiations, the European Union pressed hard for China, the Arab states and the large developing countries, probably even India, to contribute on the grounds that they were large emitters in the last decade. On the other hand, India has made several initiatives to come clean for the climate change, for example by setting the National Adaptation Fund for Climate Change in 2015 to meet the cost of adaptation to climate change for the state and union territories of India that are particularly vulnerable to the adverse effects of climate change. Then we have National Clean Energy Fund which was created to promote clean energy and funded through an initial carbon tax on the use of coal by industries. It is governed by inter-ministerial group with the finance secretary as the chairman. This fund mandates to fund research and development of innovative clean energy technology in the fossil and non-fossil fuel-based sectors. And lastly, we have National Adaptation Fund, which was established in 2014 with a corpus of rupees 100 crores with the aim of bridging gap between the need and available funds. And this fund is operated under the Ministry of Environment, Forests and Climate Change. Another outcome of COP27 was a new five-year work program which was launched to promote climate technology solutions in developing nations. A mitigation work program was launched aimed at urgently scaling up the mitigation ambition and implementation. This mitigation work program will start immediately following COP27 and continue till 
2030 with at least two global dialogues held each year so the governments were requested to revisit and strengthen the 2030 targets in their national climate plans by the end of 2023 as well as accelerate efforts to phase down the unabated coal power and phase out the inefficient fossil fuel subsidies The delegates also wrapped up the second technical dialogue of the first global stock take a mechanism to raise ambition under the Paris agreement. The meeting is concluded with Sharm El Sheikh adaptation agenda which outlines 30 adaptation outcomes to enhance resilience for 4 billion people living in the most climate vulnerable communities by 2030. An action on water adaptation and resilience initiative was also launched to reflect the importance of water as both a key climate change problem and a potential solution. An African Carbon Market Initiative was also launched to support the growth of carbon credit production and create jobs in Africa. The meeting also kick-started the Global Renewables Alliances which brings together for the first time all the technologies required for the energy transition in order to secure an accelerated energy transition but what an irony it is while the developing and vulnerable nations continue to demand climate finance at cop27 it is important to realize that the lives have also been severely affected by the global catastrophes especially in the year 2022 We have a list of global catastrophes devastated the planet in 2022 like Pakistan floods which recorded 62% less than normal rainfall in the month of March 2022 and the warmest April preceding the monsoon season the extreme rainfall which further triggered the most devastating floods from the June to September and it was the worst in the country's recent history and not to miss the hurricane ian in the us which nasa data revealed that the warm ocean waters in the gulf of mexico powered the hurricane ian in the us towards the end of september which resulted in many losses of course the monetary as well as the loss of life of more than 100 billion dollars Then even Europe was hit by two extreme heat waves which claimed approximately 16000 lives in the month of June and July. India also recorded natural disasters almost every day in 2022. India recorded extreme weather events on 241 of 273 days in the first 9 months of the year. The thunderstorms persistent rains cyclones droughts heat waves lightning floods and landslides occurred all throughout these months and himachal pradesh recorded the highest number of deaths followed by assam and madhya pradesh overall these disasters claimed about 2755 lives affecting 1.8 million hectares of crop area and destroying over 416000 houses and killing nearly 70000 livestock so everyone keeps an eye on cops every year and expects that there will be an acknowledgement of the importance of adaptation finance and the implementation which are going to somewhere narrow down the impacts of climate change 
India's one of the top B school IMT Hyderabad which is also a best option in the range of 75 to 85 percentile in CAT or ZAT exams has recently opened its applications for their PGDM course for the session 2023 to 25 with the highest package of 25 lakh per annum this B school is placed among the top 100 B schools in India as per NIRF ranking. So that is all for today's episode. If you liked it, then do share it among your friends and don't forget to give us a 5 star rating.